I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 176 for the weekend starting 12 May 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, the home of South Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, government reverses course on TV encryption. Also this week, Windows to play nicely with Android and iOS. We'll have all the details from Build. Telcom share price surges on positive results. And first thoughts on the Samsung Galaxy S8. Time to lift the curtains on another podcast. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. So before I forget again, let's jump straight into that quiz. Oh, yes. <laughs> you yeah. want to do the first question. Highlighted it in bold. So the first question in this week's quiz, former MTN South Africa CEO Ahmad Farouk has joined which pan-African telecommunications company? Second question, Vodacom this week said it had gone live with its first Internet of Things site. It was in Midrand at their head office. What 3G PP-backed IoT technology, there's enough jargon, is it deploying and who is doing the deployment for it? The third question, Adapt IT this week announced the acquisition of which technology supplier to the hospitality industry? And our fourth question, Telcom subsidiary BCX will pump 60 million rand into which programming skills development hub? And the last question, Apple surpassed the market capitalization milestone this week. What was it? And it's quite a remarkable number. Oh, big bucks. <laughs> but uh, let's jump right into the show. And there's, uh, we haven't recorded in two weeks, so there's lots, uh, lots to talk about. And um, undoubtedly, the biggest news in the South African context over the last uh, 10 days or so has been this news that uh, the government has, again, changed its view on digital TV encryption. Um, flip-flopped, I think, is the appropriate way. Which way are we going? So um, I've actually lost count how many times we've changed, <laughs> flip-flopped on this issue. Um, uh, we were in favor of encryption, then we were against encryption, then we were in favor of encryption, then we were against encryption, and now we're in favor of encryption again. And it really seems to be um, based on which direction the wind is blowing. It sounds like a bidding war, actually. <laughs> Anyway. I guess it's which uh, commercial vested interests the politicians are listening mm. to, depending on the time of the day. Um, we have a new Minister of Communications now, Ayanda Dlodlo, uh, and she has replaced Faith Mutambi. Faith Mutambi, of course, is very much uh, in the anti-encryption camp, um, so much so she was accused of being in bed with multi-choice, uh, a claim that she vehemently denied. Uh, the previous minister uh, tried to... Um, create a middle way, if you like. Uh, Yunus Karim uh, tried to carve a middle path, uh, and that didn't work at all. Um, uh, Multi-choice uh, objected strenuously to his proposals. Um, and here we are now, back with a new minister and uh, another change in policy. So now we're, uh, we're in favor of encryption again. Uh, big question about what that means for all the set of boxes that have already been manufactured and are out in the field. Do those now have to be recalled? Um, can they be recalled? Uh, uh, more delays, I think, to the whole digital migration process. That's the now. biggest problem here, so it's delays. Mm. It's the delays, delays. indeed. Um, so we, we haven't heard anything really official or any real detail from the Department of Communications yet on what exactly this change in policy is going to mean. Uh, I'm sure they're still figuring it out themselves. Um, What's interesting is that this case is, is currently a case brought by the government against um, ETV at the Constitutional Court. Uh, the arguments in that case were heard at the Con Court a couple of months ago, and we're currently awaiting the Constitutional Court judgment on that matter. 
Um, that case is uh, Faith Mutambi versus, or the Minister of Communications, and it was then Faith Mutambi versus ETV, over the uh, victory that ETV won at the Supreme Court of a- Appeal in Bloemfontein, middle of last year, I think it was, or earlier last year. Uh, that was an appeal of a high, earlier High Court judgment, uh, which um, which went went in favour of the minister and and uh, multi choice. So a, a real mess. Um, so we now have the new minister saying that this is not the case. We currently have a constitutional court battle going on, brought by the minister's predecessor, um, and we're expecting a judgment in that case any day or any week now. I see the SACP, which has been in favour of encryption, has called on uh, the new Minister of Communications to withdraw her appeal at the Constitutional Court. I've been meaning to speak to a lawyer this week to get a view on this because I'm not sure whether uh, uh, that case can actually be withdrawn given that the arguments have already been heard. Um, I need to check that, but um, uh, I suspect that uh, the Constitutional Court has to now hand down judgment because the arguments have been heard. Uh, I don't know the legalities there, and I need to check that with a lawyer. Um, but if if that is the case, uh, then we we're going to have a judgment anyway, and the judgment of the constitutional court will determine whether we have encryption or not, whether the minister likes it or not. Um, so it, the constitutional court still could determine that the appeal court in Bloemfontein erred uh, in its earlier judgment in favour of ETV, and that in fact. Um, that in fact we're not going to have encryption. Um, so it's it's a big legal mess. Uh, I think it shows that um, this government doesn't know what it's doing. Uh, we see this um, reflected almost every day now. This morning we saw the CEO of um, ESCOM, the former CEO of ESCOM being reappointed, <laughs> and the ANC itself issuing a statement condemning the ESCOM board for reappointing him. Uh, it seems highly unlikely that the ESCOM board would have gone ahead with this if it hadn't got the uh, explicit approval or go-ahead from the president to do so. So have we got the ANC at war with his own party now? Um, it, it, it is deeply troubling what's going on in this country. And I think the digital TV thing has unfortunately become, uh, this whole sector in a way has become a victim of the war within that's playing out inside the ANC and that no one can make a decision one way or the other. And you see this policy flip-flopping going on and the ANC is being pulled in one direction one moment and in another direction the other moment. There's no agreement within the ANC about this encryption issue. Um, it was agreed at their policy conference that there, wouldn't, that there would be encryption in set-top boxes. So that's the official position. But you've got a um, former Minister of Communications and presumably backed by the President, and certainly it was the uh, wish of the former Chief Operating Officer of the SABZ, Klaudi Mutsuaneng, for there not to be encryption. Um, we don't know the full story there yet. I'm sure it'll come out in the, in the fullness of time. But um, I, I think it's, it's, it's symptomatic of what's going on in the country at the moment in that we're kind of leaderless. Yeah, um, yeah. And we've got a ruling party that is at war with itself. And it's having very real effects, not just on the ICT sector, but this is a classic example of it, but on the broader economy. And, and this is certainly what happens when the fo- when ha- what happens when the focus is not where it should be. Mm. You know, the focus on getting these things resolved, focus on the tech industry. How do you boost small business? Mm. It just doesn't seem like the fo- the focus is certainly elsewhere. You know? mm. Uh, inter-party po- party political uh, agendas, maybe I don't know. It's just a pity we can't get down to the yeah. to the real meat and, and bones of of you know getting this 
and, kind of thing and, and we see it in the economy and the state of the economy our anemic economic growth we're potentially going into a recession later this year mm. um, and it's all it all flows out of this um, of course we've got the um, ANC conferences coming up this year um, I think it's a policy conference in June and then the elective conference in December hopefully after that I mean it's a long way to wait but hopefully after that uh, we'll have some some clarity on mm. where we're going to go forward um, and, and hopefully we have the right leadership uh, yeah. to take the economy forward uh, and um, I, I think that we all know what that means um, but yeah so here we go with uh, another change in the digital television policy I think um, listeners to this podcast know my views on, on encryption I think it's a bad idea um, it's a complex subject I agree but uh, I think that um, a lot of people have had the wool pulled over their eyes on this issue um, particularly by the local manufacturing industry and by um, and by the proponents of encryption. Uh, I think ultimately, um, I think that encryption is, is bad for consumers and bad for the poor because mm, you're mm. going to have to have these boxes in perpetuity, whereas, um, whereas uh, set-top boxes were only ever meant to be an interim measure as we move to, um, as we move to digital. And in future, they'll just simply be part of the television you buy. Now we're going to have to have integrated receivers or... Uh, it's all just stuff that pushes up the cost and makes it a convoluted it, process. It is expensive user. and you have to have support centers and all sorts of stuff. And no one else in the world is doing this except for a few dodgy countries. Um, I think Ukraine is, is, is the only example I've seen uh, that's actually gone for encryption and DTT. The rest of the world, Europe, which we historically have um, learned from uh, or, or borrowed standards and ideas from and, and, and emulated, um, has not gone for encryption. Um, we'd be we'd be copying a, a couple of, or only one that I'm aware of. There may be one or two more a country in the world, and that's Ukraine. Mm. Um, is a Ukraine a company a country whose examples we should be following? Sure. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I doubt it. And, and you know, when you look, I wonder what the advisory conversations are when it comes to making up, uh, you know, making these decisions around these technologies. I mean. When, when you're presented with facts like that, mm. where you know we won't be following the example of best practice, but rather going with um, something that for all intents and purposes seems like an alter alter alternative motive, ulterior motive, mm. um, or you know, it's it's yeah, it's not and for the good of the people, it's not for the good of uh, the country. And there also certainly seems to be a, a um, an idea that encryption. I mean, we saw it in the SACP statement that was issued a couple of days ago. There seems to be this idea that the, that encryption should be used to somehow punish NASPAT and multi-choice. And the SAB, uh, sorry, the SACP statement going on about uh, you know NASPAT is part of the Bruderbund or was part of the Bruderbund. I mean, sure, there were links there in the 80s mm -hmm. and before, um, but you know they. They built a company largely, I mean, certainly multi-choice. The DSTV business was built after the end of apartheid. Um, they might have had, they had, a, they had a good dispensation given to them. I mean, they had a favorable dispensation uh, in that um, uh, they, they got the MNET license um, back in the mid-1980s. Uh, but uh, there was competition introduced to DSTV back in the 1990s. Centec was licensed. Centec mm -hmm. and SABC mm -hmm. were licensed. Uh, to provide a service called AstraSat, uh, which failed um, because MultiChoice made the right decisions around, in, around uh, which uh, uh, technology to use. They went for MP2 digital, um, digital broadcast technology mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to analog, which the SABC and Centec decided to use. And then the Centec and SABC solution ultimately uh, failed. I'm sure there were uh, other factors at play like content choices and that sort of thing. 
Um, but is it right to punish multi-choice for its success, um, especially 30 years, 40 years after it received that uh, mm. Ebnet license? Mm. Um, I don't know. Uh, probably not. Um, uh, if you're worried about um, if you if you're worried about the lack of competition in the pay TV market, then surely there are other ways of looking at this, regulatory ways of intervening in the market and saying, actually, you know, multi-choice, you have to unbundle Supersport. Uh, that that to me would seem like a much more logical way of yeah, approaching yeah. it, and it's certainly what regulators in other markets have done. In the UK, for example, the regulator there has has told B Sky B that it has to license some of the Premier Football games to other providers. Mm. Uh, it, it would seem natural to me to, un, to 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 look at unbundling Supersport in some way because that's clearly um, how multi-choice continues its um, dominance in the yeah, space. Yeah. Equally, equally, I think multi-choice is much less worried about um, free-to-air competitors or even even pay TV uh, based competitors on the ter- terrestrial platform. I think it's much more worried about what the internet is going to yeah, do to streaming services. Oh yeah, Netflix is a much more serious threat to multi-choice's business in the long term than a bunch of local startups in mm-hmm. um, DTT, to be, to be frank. Oh, exactly. Um, it, 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 services like Netflix are going to eat into that DSTV premium business first. They're not going to eat it at the bottom where I think mm. a lot of these DTT players are going to be playing. Um, so I, th- I think that multi-choice is probably facing its most com- serious, serious competitive threat now from internet streaming uh, than from any, anything that's happening locally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the SABC isn't really the <laughs> that crown in the jewel, that crown jewels that we, we really hoped it would be. And if that was the case, you know, then this would have been a must, much trickier conversation. Mm. Um, but we don't have alternative options, and you know, you can't penalise the guys who've been successful for planning a business, um, you know, well yeah. into the future. You know, making the right decision for the future of the company rather for, than for the future of a few yeah. um, individuals who's obviously benefiting from it somewhere. Along yeah, the I mean, that's what I find troubling about the SACP statement. I mean, sure, NASPAT in the old days was close to the government. Um, they were. I mean, they, they, the links with the National Party go back, right back to NASPAT's founding. Um, but by the same token, the company has metamorphosized into something completely different now. I mean, it's not na- the old National Party anymore. It's a globalized company that has assets in things like Tencent and... I think Mail.ru, yeah. they're still an investor in. They, they're a global internet company and they, they own a, a big pay TV operation in South Africa, um, most of which was built um, post-94. Mm-hmm. Um, do you punish them because they, were, they enjoyed a favorable dispensation um, before 1994? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, by the same, if you were to argue the same thing, you'd have to argue that all well, then ESCOM needs to be punished, then SASL needs to be punished, then mm. um, uh, ISCO, or whatever it's called now, needs to be punished. All these companies that were built on, and under the apartheid government that enjoyed the largesse of the National Party government, you'd have to go out and, and, and punish them retra- retrospectively now. I mean, how, how far do you go back? How far do you do this? Um, uh, I think that... Um, I think that the SACP um, statement, uh, well, I found it troubling in that regard, let's put it mm, that way. Mm. But, um, yeah, and oh, unfortunately, the, the problem with this uh, digital terrestrial television migration is not actually so much to do with broadcasting. It's to do with the fact that uh, these broadcasters are sitting on spectrum that the telecommunications companies need to they can deliver the broadband that's going to make the television mm. companies irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but again, you know, I come back to what I said. If SABC was a more proactive company and really spent the money where it should have been spent, it wouldn't have been so fearful of this change. Mm. You know, maybe it could have had a, a relatively strong online offering. You know, yeah. even if it's free content for for you know free local content. Mm. Um, Public access TV. I mean, we know how well that's worked uh, in in the states. Mm. Um, yeah, we need this. Yeah, the next big challenge, the next big opportunity, I think, is figuring out how to um, is how to get local content. And there's massive demand for 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 local content. I oh, mean, yes. just look how big yes. those soapies are on SABC channels. Um, there's, I think there's huge demand for locally generated content that's delivered to mobile devices. Um, Whoever cracks that is going to do very well. There are some startups. We did an interview with one, um, I don't know, the name completely escaped me now, um, that offered broadcasting to mobile devices, local mm. content. Um, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I've also forgotten the name. Not Tulin Tulu. Tulin Tulu, yeah, that's yeah, the one. That's yeah. the one I thought mm. of, yeah, yeah. Um, but in a, again, a great offering, but I think services like YouTube is just going to crush that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> If they do local content, see, the thing is local, and YouTube doesn't do any local content. Well, I mean, okay, sure, maybe I'm, I'm talking about local content, you know, locally produced content that's not necessarily stuff produced for TV broadcast. Oh, user-generated user generated stuff. I mean, that, that is still old-school uh, industry, you know, the broadcast, TV broadcast industry, the way you produce for TV is m so much different to what you produce. And I, I mean, YouTube as a platform, but uh, you, can, you can still produce good quality, mm. high production value mm. local content on a platform like that. Yeah, but there's, there's, there's clearly a big opportunity there for whoever, whoever grabs it. And I think the SABC, if it can get its um, act together, uh, which hopefully it's now going to do with the new board and uh, the exit of the former COO, um, I think there's a huge opportunity for the SABC to package what it has and deliver it, uh, deliver it wirelessly to mm. mobile users. Oh, yeah. um, there's no doubt that, that some of the content that the SABC produces is in huge demand. Um, probably not what you and I watch, but... Mm. Um, uh, but uh, you know some of those um, soapies, and um, I don't even know their names. I don't watch them, <laughs> but I, I see the ratings, and uh, they're watched by millions of people every day. So there's huge demand. But I mean, the SABC also has this incredible archive of amazing South African content mm. going back which decades, of, which of course uh, is the subject of huge contention because it's alleged that Claudia Mutsoneng sold it off at pittance to them to MultiChoice. Well, I was that was going to be my point. Now, Showmax has uh, started broadcasting some of that old content. I'm talking about really good quality South African mm. movies from 70s, 60s, 70s. And I've been watching a few of them uh, over the last few weeks, just kind of, you know, I'm a, I'm a movie maker, so to speak, and I enjoy making videos, and I wanted to see what kind of, where we come from in that scene, and it was absolutely phenomenal. I don't think we've got that kind of quality or that kind of production value today in many ways, or storytelling mm. um, uh, from the SABC, you know, it's new, innovative content. We need that so desperately. Mm, indeed. And short form content as well. I think particularly for mobile, short form content is going to be the big, the key success mm, factor. Mm. You don't, for, for one thing, you don't want to watch half an hour video on your phone. For another thing, um, people can't afford to watch a half hour video on their phone because the amount of data it consumes. Yeah, yeah. But for compelling short form content, I think the, I think that's probably where the market's actually going to start. Uh, I'm sure lots of the broadcasters are looking at it, and uh, uh, you know, I'm sure there's mm. stuff coming down the down but the Again, line. social media is really making it difficult. Uh, live streaming video now. I mean, yes, we don't have you know, that TV quality from, from guys shooting live video from, mm. you know, in, the, in the living room. But yeah. 
it's getting there as the technologies improve um, it is getting better and better I, I still think you have to i mean i still think there's going to be massive demand no matter how much user generated content there is i think the demand will still be there for for professionally created um, stories oh definitely um, definitely uh, but those if you look at vlogs and and some of the some of the best vloggers in the world now and i'm referring to uh, casey neistat and ben brown and those guys hmm. the quality of their their daily vlogs they produce this every day well some of them uh, ben brown doesn't vlog every day anymore but hmm. um is really superb. I mean, John Olson's another vlogger. He they do 4K and 8K every day. They shoot. This is cinematic 8K. quality. Yeah, yeah. They play with these. Uh, <laughs> they call it Team Overkill. Um, <laughs> but they play with trying. Well, they're trying to make the best quality version of that blog. Hmm. And if you look at kind of these early adopters doing what they can do, then I don't think it's a far stretch to to imagine a world where. You know, news can be user generated. So you tune into a journalist reading out the news to his audience base from his living room because mm. he's been able to produce, you know, a packaged, packaged bit of content um, similar to what we're doing on the podcast now, but That's just something true. daily. Yeah, but people make careers out of it, as we've seen in that mm. space. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm just, I'm still trying to get past this 8K video thing. I mean, where are they even putting that? Can YouTube support 8K? No, no, they just they look. I mean, they, they all their stuff is 4K. Um, they yeah. upload in 4K. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, it, it's just a clarity. I mean, if you shoot an 8K today, you might not be able to showcase anywhere. But when you drop 8K down to 4K or even 1080p, I mean, oh, right. the sharpness of your picture mm. is still far superior than shooting natively mm. 2.7K or 1080p. Mm. Yeah, apparently there uh, were quite a few 8K TVs at uh, CES this year. I would have loved yeah, to have seen one of those. Beautiful. Oh, mm. I can only imagine. Imagine having like a 200-inch 8K TV. Terrible. <laughs> terrible world we live in. How will we cope? <laughs> I walked into the digital experience uh, in four ways, by the way. It's a, uh, for those who don't know, it's a technology retail shop in, in Johannesburg. Yes. Um, they've got a big Samsung uh, section there. And uh, they had a, a massive curved Samsung TV there. I forget the size. I think it was 110 inches or something. And so I asked the salesman, how much? <laughs> <laughs> Probably one more, two more. 420,000 rand. What? Uh, he said, and he said, but don't worry, we'll uh, send a team to install it for you as well. Oh, so, I hope so. Um, well, it's a minimum I'd expect. <laughs> <laughs> Delivery included. I hope it comes on a, with a nice bow tie around it, you know. Um, but uh, it's amazing. I mean, the people who buy TVs that expensive in this country. So. Yeah. Um, but as I pointed out to the uh, to the salesman, I said to him, well, I'll come back in three years when it's a quarter of the price. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a few years, we won't have TV screens. Uh, we'll have projection, projection on walls. I think that's where everything's going to go, the clarity. You know, you don't, you know, and then with, with VR and AR, I mean, your screen doesn't have to be a big thing. You can just have a little um, screen in your glasses or on your contacts. That'll mm. give you the illusion of a 100-inch screen. Um, I'm still not convinced about, uh, about that. Um, when I, when, I, when people flop down on their, on their couches, I think they just want a TV in front of them. Maybe for video gaming. Have you seen people flop down on a couch with a phone in their hand in front yeah. of them? I don't think it's a fast stretch. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, uh, yeah, I think most people, um, most people sit with their phones in front of the TV now. Mm. I do. Mm. Um, the TV show is getting boring. I'll switch to my phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It's fascinating how we've become this multitasking generation. I mean... When we were young, we watched TV and we were focused on it, mm. focused on every movement it's making. Mm. Um, now your eyes are on your screen 50% of the time mm. on your phone and on your yeah. TV. And we still somehow know what's going on on the TV. Yeah, yeah. Your brain's learned to adapt. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what our kids we'll see, do. We'll see if we'll have dementia by the time we're in our 60s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway, we got a bit off track there, didn't we? Um, so... 
Microsoft is having its annual Build conference in uh, Seattle this week. I managed to catch a bit of it last night, actually. Um, I, uh, I, I see all these sa- same guys presenting at these things. I've never remember their names. But um, some really interesting stuff coming out of Build this year. And I thought the one that really grabbed my attention was uh, that um, Microsoft has announced, in, I guess in the same way that um, Apple has made it really nice to use all of their devices like iPhone and iPad and MacBook mm. and the desktop Macs um, in that you can see your notifications on your desktop and all these sort of things. They, they play very nicely to each other. You can drop files from your phone to your Mac, to your desktop, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and so what Microsoft is doing is they've announced that they're going to do something similar, um, except they're going to be playing very nicely with iPhone and Android. Because, of course, they don't really have a um, mobile platform of their own anymore. Yeah. Uh, and what I found fascinating during the presentations was that there was not a single Windows phone used uh, in the in the de- any of the demonstration videos. Um, mm, that is interesting. Uh, in fact, in in the in the in the main video that I saw, uh, they were using iPhones, um, and uh, you know it's it's almost as as if Microsoft is saying, well, mobile as a platform doesn't matter to us anymore. Um, in terms of owning a platform. Mm, mm. Uh, and so now they're re- fully embracing Android and, and iOS. Uh, and so, um, in fact, if you go into the settings in, in the Fall Creators update, which they announced as well, to Windows 10, which is coming out in our springtime, uh, there'll be a phone option now, and you'll be able to fully integrate your Windows desktop with your phone, and you can do things like um, cloud uh, copy and paste. So you can copy and paste on your phone and paste on your Windows desktop. But I take it this is on the Android iOS platform. And I- is, Android yeah, and iOS, iOS. And, and across to uh, Windows PC. Uh, so the cloud clipboard looks really cool. I think Apple announced something like that, similar to that mm-hmm. a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of it is actually um, catching up to, to macOS, but uh, doing it um, more broadly across more ecosystems, because you certainly can't do that between yeah, macOS yeah. and Android. Um, and I don't think Apple will ever do that. Um, Apple likes to pretend that nothing else exists exactly. around the yeah, uh, yeah, ecosystem. Yeah. So I think it's a very smart move by Microsoft, actually, because yeah, it, it positions them as a more of an open player than Apple. Oh, yes. It's, um, a, it's an incredible move. And I'm, I'm almost surprised, like, I'm wondering why they didn't do this sooner. Sooner, yeah. Um, especially considering the, the f- massive two flops that they've had with, mm. you know, two flops in a row in terms of launching the Windows mobile platform. Um, and clearly, you know, they for some reason they just cannot break into that market. But for them, as the world's biggest software maker, and you know, they still have such a big Windows base, mm. just to be able to integrate them, I mean, it makes so much sense. You know, keep keep your existing users happy. If I want to use a Windows device, but I want an iPhone. Mm. You know, make it easier for me as a Windows fan. You know, mm. we know we know Apple is um, uh, App, you know Apple is quite tight on the on the environment, mm. um, but this makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just a pity I don't have any Windows devices anymore to, to, to try it out. <laughs> no, you're completely in the in the Apple ecosystem, which is fine because uh, uh, you know you've got that great integration yes, between all your yes. devices. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm someone who uses multiple devices. I've I've got a Windows laptop, I've got a um, I've got an iPad, and I've got an Android phone. So, so I, it'll work perfectly for you. Yeah, in the integration. The integration will work great. Yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> Windows notebooks are really are becoming a lot more attractive in terms of functionality. You know they. Apple, or shall I say, Apple is becoming less attractive as as a platform. You know, the macOS platform mm. with the really great design hardware. You know, we've spoken about this before, but you know, Windows, new Windows computers these days, really design-wise, they, are, they look amazing and they you know mm. they look and feel great. They've got nice screen resolution, something that was lacking for many years in the mid two thousands. 
Um, and now with this, Windows Windows is making or Microsoft is is, is seemingly making a, an aggressive series of moves mm-hmm. to kind of get back into you know a leading position. I think. Yeah, I mean they still sell by far the most um, laptops in the world. I mean it's on sitting on probably eighty ninety percent of desktops, on laptops and desktops for that matter. Um, so I mean Microsoft still dominates in the PC world. But um, Apple has always had a bit of a design appeal, you're right. Mm. Uh, and I think that there has been some change there. Uh, I think that PCs have become sexier. And, so, and I think Microsoft's own hardware has had, played a big role there. Oh, yeah, their stuff is amazing. I, I mean, surface the surface, yeah. uh, that yeah. Surface laptop that they announced uh, a week and a half ago, we didn't mm. put on the show notes today, maybe we should have, because it's really an interesting device. Um, but those Surface tablets that they do, and that uh, the, the device I actually really want on my desk is that, um, uh, it's called the Surface Studio. Oh, the big one. The big, the big boy. desktop. Oh, man, it looks beautiful. And uh, we, we're big fans of, the, of Leo Laporte's podcasts mm. and um, uh, This Week in Tech, and uh, he has one in his studio now. And uh, I think it just looks absolutely amazing sitting on his desk in the way you can. And that swivel screen moving up and down. down. Yeah, it's, it's just stunning hardware. So I think, I think Microsoft was actually very clever to get into and start to do its own reference design because I think it's helping the rest of the industry see what can be done with Windows. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing some really, really cool products coming out now from companies like Dell and um, Acer and Lenovo. And they're coming yeah, up with some, some yeah. really interesting designs. I guess Microsoft in some ways also, they're starting to overcome this problem. But for a long time, they, they uh, other notebook manufacturers, essentially their hardware competitors, mm. um, obviously you know, had a lot of clout over the, the, the license agreements, which prevented Microsoft potentially from going out and obviously killing it mm. with notebooks. I mean, imagine you're killing your own um, dealer base. Um, or license base because you're producing much better hardware than what they yeah. can. They were always reluctant to do that, but I think it's a smart move to start to do that because mm. they're not going to take away the bulk of the business from the OEMs. Um, I mean, the, the products they're producing are high-end. They're, yeah. they're going to appeal to only a small subset of, of geeks and geeks with, with fat wallets. Because you know there's a mark. We see what Mac is doing, mm. Apple Mac is doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think they learned uh, from Google here because Google's had its own reference designs in the mm. Pixel. I forget what they're called before. They were called Pixel. Um Nexus. Nexus, Nexus. Uh, Nexus and Pixel phones. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, well, I, I, certainly at one point in time, I mean, those were, the, those were the devices to have, I think, with the launch of things like the Galaxy S8. Um, there are sexier Android yeah, phones out yeah. there now. But, um, but I, I, I think they're doing really good stuff. And um, it's, it's smart as well because, you know, they hold the, these keynotes and people watch them and they, they say, that looks really cool. Um, and, and then people think, well, maybe I think should think again about Windows. Um, mm. You know, people who used to be on Windows and maybe moved across to Mac, and maybe they're a little, you know, maybe they don't think that much of the new Mac lineup, um, or they, maybe they're getting a bit frustrated that the Mac Pro hasn't been updated for a long time. Yeah. And maybe it's time to go back to Windows. And the fact that Microsoft is doing this really sexy hardware um, makes it look cool again. And I don't think we should underestimate um, the, how, how much of an impact the cool factor around a company has in people's buying decisions. Uh, A lot of people buy iPhone simply because they associate Apple as being a cool product. Mm, mm, Um, It's a premium lifestyle brand that mm, everybody aspires to. mm. And I think that Microsoft for a long time was 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 regarded as this this operating system, or this, the company that develops this operating system that you reluctantly use at the office, that crashes all the time, um, that mm. why on earth would I want to use this thing at home? So I think by coming up with their own reference designs, their own really good-looking hardware, and f- it helps that Windows 10 is a great OS, mm. they, um, they're helping reverse that perception, I think, to some extent. Um, maybe not in the mass market yet, 
uh, but certainly amongst people who keep an eye on the computer industry and who are interested mm-hmm. in you know the geeks like, like us yeah. um, I think we're, we're paying t- attention to Microsoft again when, when five years ago oh, let's come buy Mac you know? yeah exactly mm-hmm. Windows 2000 I'm going to go to Linux <laughs> Windows Vista <laughs> Windows Vista Windows Vista they, I mean, you know, they have been making a series of right moves and it's, it's making us early adopters and geeks going ooh this is interesting let's, yeah. let's, let's maybe stick around and see what they have to say yeah can't wait, can't wait to see what else they're bringing. But uh, they made lots of other announcements. I, I recommend if you've got the time to go and have a look at the build keynotes because there were some really interesting things. They announced um, these the sort of mixed reality headsets. Um, HoloLens, yeah. They've got some cool stuff coming out there with their partners. Acer announced something quite interesting. Well, they announced an interesting headset from Acer. Um, so I think they're calling it, I, I wasn't paying too much attention to that part of the video, but they've, they've, they've kind of combined their AR and VR initiatives into this thing called Windows Mixed Reality. Um, I think they're kind of trying to uh, hedge their bets a bit in some ways because mm, they, mm. They, they said in the presentation they don't know whether AR or VR is going to be the next big thing. So I think they're kind of hedging their bets and saying, well, they're both the next big thing. Uh, no, I think those two aren't mutually exclusive. Mm. AR and VR, will mm. they will need to be complementing because you, you can't use one or the other and, and mm. be happy with with the technology. Mm. You know, they, mm. there's clear benefits to, mm. to AR, many more over VR, I think. Mm. So, yeah, the Windows 10 Fall Creators update will be out uh, later this year in our springtime. Uh, and it looks pretty cool. I, I particularly like the mobile integration. So mm. I'm really looking forward to that and playing yeah, around with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I was running the um, Windows Insider builds on my PC, but I, I, <laughs> I, I went back to the stable builds uh, after I had a few too many problems. Um, so I, I won't be playing with it until the final release. But uh, it looks pretty cool. Looking forward to it. On that note, we need to take a quick ad break. We'll be back right after this. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber, now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechot? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. So, um, let's talk about let's talk about the Galaxy S8. Uh, I've had uh, my insert insert angels singing. Oh. <laughs> I've had my review one now for uh, for about a week, and uh, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I only have one problem with this phone. It's all screen, so which means it's very fragile. Which means you have to put a case on it, which means you're going to cover up. The, the aesthetics, the aesthetics of it, um, because it really is, it really is a stunning looking phone. I mean, they they really have um, outdone themselves here. Edge to edge glass, the in, they call it the infinity display. Uh, the f- front of the phone is almost entirely screen, um, and it, uh, it it's really nice. Yeah. Um, I've never been a huge fan of TouchWiz, but with the Galaxy S8, they have made it a really really slick, nice version of Android. It's um, much more. Um, they've added some really nice features to it, but it's. Mm. Uh, it's 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 more na- uh, um, vanilla Android. It's uh, good. That's nice. Yeah. yeah it's but it's it, they've added some really nice touches to it. They've um, spent a lot of design time working on the design of the software, um, the icons, the um, just the look and feel of it. Um, it's it's really stunning. Uh, it's looks like something. It looks like a product that Apple would produce. Mm, to be honest, mm, it does. It does. It feels very solid. To remarkably solid. Mm. Um, and it feels like there's a bit of metal in the body somewhere. Just it has that slight weight that makes you go, "Ooh, there's a mm. piece of heavy metal in there." 
Um, you know, but looking at this, it, it feels. I mean, I have a very thin case on my iPhone because I, I don't like cases mm. to begin with, and the only reason why I don't not like why I don't ha- have using my phone without a case is because of scratches. And this is a, this is the only thing I can see it could be a problem. I don't know if it'll be that fragile when it falls. It seems to be. I mean, the way that it could potentially fall. Yes, you may have it. You may get a chip um, if it lands just kind of on the glass bit of it. Mm. But there's still a lot of frame around the bottom that I would imagine, um, you know, on the edges where a phone usually would fall. There's no glass on the edge itself, mm. if, if that makes sense. And mm. um, the, the illusion of the glass on the edge is there. Mm. But I would, I would definitely use this phone as is. I would. So we throw it out the window and let's see what try, happens. Let's try. Let's <laughs> try. <laughs> what forward would Samsung say? Um, no, it's it's a really really good looking phone. And the more I played with it, there's just these subtle touches everywhere that. Um, that you, you get the, the feeling that other Android manufacturers don't put into their phones. Uh, yeah. Just little things, like guidance here. This is, we're showing you this particular screen because of this reason. Uh, we're, um, we've noticed you're doing this, you might wanna do this. You've, you know, little, little minor little mm. touches that, mm. um, um, but the, and the software seems to f- blend in so well with the, the rounded edges on the phone. And it's just, oh, it's just, it's just gorgeous. And of course the hardware in there is, uh, is top of the line. I mean, it's um, it's it's uh, it's got all the latest LTE. It's mm. got a, f- a, a, a very fast processor, Samsung-made processor. Um, uh, the uh, uh, the LTE is impressive. I, pick, uh, I um, as you know, I'm on Telcom Mobile. Uh, I pick up 4G plus or sure. LTE advanced nice. Nice. in many of the places I go, including at home. I have LTE advanced connection uh, and the Wi-Fi is very good as well um, on my uh, fiber at home I regularly get um, close to 100 megabit per second up and down over Wi-Fi oh, wow. on the phone so That's it's impressive. You know, it's very 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 impressive and the camera what do you think of the the, the camera is outstanding um, I was a I was a bit worried because it's only a 12 megapixel shooter um, but uh, I don't know what, how they've done it but apparently it's exactly the same camera as in the s7 and I, ha- I didn't use the s7 so I can't really compare with that model um, but uh, of all the phones I've used, it takes the best photographs by far. Interesting. We um, should do a little iPhone versus Samsung we should. shootout. Mm, we should. So you can take the best photographs and sell it for a million rand. Yeah. <laughs> um, I must say, it's the first time in a, in a long time that I've had people say, oh, is that the new Samsung? I, mm, you know, mm. people actually showing interest in a phone. Um, I certainly haven't seen that in, in many years. I think the last time someone said, oh, is that, is that the new iPhone? Yeah. Oh, is that the new Samsung? Um, which um, I don't think I've ever had. had yeah, before. I've never heard that. Never um, heard that. So quite a bit of interest in, in, in the device. And it's certainly noticeable. You can see it's a Samsung S8. Its design is very different to anything else in the market. Mm. Um, it, it looks like a, a polished pebble in a way. Yeah, um, no, it, and it, not slippery, not, it's not, a, it's it's not, not slippery, slippery at all. I, yeah. I thought it would no. be slippery, but it, it looks the, slippery. The iPhone is very slippery, which is mm. the, one of the reasons I don't like using it without the SIM case. Yeah. But that's no. uh, solid. Yeah. Um, the only other bugbear I have about it, and, and really it's not a major bugbear, is the position of the fingerprint reader uh, mm. next to the camera. At the back, uh, so, yeah. you so you have to use your index finger. You're sometimes hitting the, the, the camera and smudging the camera. Um, the, the, the talk, the rumors are that they were planning to, in, in, to integrate the, um, the fingerprint scanner under the screen on the home button. Um, and they couldn't get it right before the launch. So they moved it to the mm. back and they had to do it in a hurry and the only place they could put it was next to the camera. Well, exactly, moving the battery, but I think they tried that last year. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, they could have put it where I, I like the position of the fingerprint reader on the LG G6. It's sort of two thirds of the way up in the middle on the mm. back of the phone, mm. which is a really good location for the fingerprint reader. Mm. Um, maybe they didn't want to replace the Samsung logo on the back, which is where that's located <laughs> with the <laughs> fingerprint reader. But I, I don't think the fingerprint is in the in the best position. You do get used to it eventually. You do find it, but mm. sometimes you still mm. struggle. You know, sometimes I have to look behind and then put my finger on yeah. it. Uh, it's not a deal breaker, but it is a, a little bit of an irritant. Um, the home button's also changed. They've got rid of the physical home button. It's now part of the screen. And like on the Apple iPhone 7, it's got a, like a force feedback type yes, of effect. Yes, you like press it hard, buzz, yeah. press it hard, and it feels like it's like a tech, tech, tactile feedback you get mm, from it. Mm. Um, but all in all, um, it's a very a good phone. We'll ha I'll have a review on this up uh, hopefully uh, sometime during the course of next week. Um, but I can comfortably say that um, this is the best phone that's been released to date. Nice. Yeah, it looks certainly looks the part. Mm. I'd give it if I was going to give a rating out of nine out of ten. Uh, sorry, <laughs> if I was to give it a rating out of ten, I would give it nine and a half. Oh, really? Wow, that's pretty impressive. Mm. Very good. And the only reason I'm not giving it a full ten out of ten is because of the position of the fingerprint reader and the fact that they didn't deliver the Bixby voice integration. And bonus, bonus points awarded for the fact that they do have a 3.5 mil audio jack. Indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you get the Gear VR with that at all? Uh, no, unfortunately, they didn't send that one to review. Uh, but um, they did send the wireless charger, so uh, that works brilliantly as well. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it doesn't charge as quickly as uh, the fast charging cable, but um, which charges remarkably fast. But the, um, the wireless dock is very nice. You just put it on your desk and plug it in, and your phone gets charged up. I'm not 100% sure about charging your phone on an awful day. I'm not sure how that impacts the battery. Mm. Um, you know, I think battery technology has improved dramatically, so maybe it's not, it doesn't degrade the battery as much as it used to, but uh, certainly it's convenient to have a little wireless charger on your desk and just when you're sitting there, yeah, just pop your yeah. phone in it um, and not worry about having to but plug I it. I think we need to all exercise conscious cell phone battery charging to begin with. I mean, mm. I once read that uh, you shouldn't be, you should charge your battery like you charge your body. You know, you only eat when you're hungry. You mm. know, when your battery drops and you know you're going to have a long night, you charge it for an hour or two before, mm. you know, in the afternoon before you go out. Mm. Uh, that's always kind of kept me juiced up. It's good efficiently. <laughs> Suddenly I'm hungry for some reason. It's <laughs> your phone battery that's 50%, that's why. <laughs> yes. I need to uh, juice up my phone and I need to juice up myself. <laughs> Where can I plug in here? <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got some in the back. I'll show you all cool. Um, and the last uh, bit of news I wanted to chat about this week was uh, Telcom uh, putting out an earnings update yesterday and the share price jumping more than 7%. Um, uh, certainly that restructuring at Sipo Maseko has led there is, um, is certainly starting to pay off uh, in a big way. And um, I see the share price currently around 80, uh, 80 Rand 50. They touched um, a new eight or nine year high this morning. I was sitting in the, around the 80, oh, there we go, 82 Rand 48 uh, this morning, which was the highest level it's been since 2009, since before they sold their 50% stake in Vodacom. Uh, just to give you some idea of um, the performance of this company uh, since uh, Sipo Maseko took over. I think it was back in 2013, uh, the share price has rallied by about 300%. Um, so um, it was um, it was really badly oversold back then, um, sitting I think at around, what was it, around uh, 13 rand a share, 10, 12 mm, rand a share somewhere, mm. I think in, in early 2013. Uh, he then took over and um, it's been rallying strongly ever since. Uh, so now sitting above the 80 rand level um, and their results are out on the 5th of June. Uh, Vod we're actually heading into results season now. Vodacom's results are out on Monday. Uh, should be interesting. Um, be uh, nice to uh, do an updated comparison of how all these operators are doing. But certainly based on the earnings update, it seems that uh, Telcom's turnaround is on track. And that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, takes care of the news.
um, as a motorbike revs in the background. Let's uh, talk. Get on to our uh, our um, winners and losers of the week. Did you see the story uh, last week about Get Smarter? Yes, I did. What a deal! Very nice. Yes. What a deal! In fact, I'm getting the CEO on onto the Tech Central podcast in a couple of weeks. Oh, brilliant! So it'll be a really, really interesting nice. chat. But uh, Get Smarter, they uh, develop uh, online courses in partnership with the universities, and then they sell these online uh, and revenue do a revenue split between the university and themselves. Brilliant! brilliant. They've just um, bought been bought out by a company listed on the Nasdaq in New York. For just under 1.4 billion rand, oh. this is a Cape Town startup. Um, it's almost a Shuttleworth uh, type of story. Jeez, yeah. um, so they've they've just been bought out by this company. They'll continue to run independently. They're bought out by this company called To You, I think they're called. Uh, and um, uh, they were they were or are competitors in the global market, and uh, they're working with uh, not only South African universities but um, Cambridge University mm. and a number of international universities as well. I'm going to get a more detailed story when we sit down with them in a couple of weeks about uh, you know their backstory and yeah. uh, and what led to this this massive deal. Um, 1.4 billion rand for a Cape Town-based startup is a big deal That's in anyone's language. Yeah. Um, but they're our winner this week. Get smarter and uh, look out for their interview uh, coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And our loser this week, we uh, touched on it a bit earlier on in the podcast, is ESCOM's board uh, for reappointing. Uh, the former CEO, uh, Brian Molefe, who resigned under a cloud, uh, I think it was just less than six months ago, um, uh, over the um, allegations in the public protector's report about his links to the Guptas Hmm. and uh, reports of deals he did with them. And uh, uh, anyway, he went off to become an MP, um, presumably because... uh, he was expecting to be appointed to the cabinet of President Jacob Zuma, possibly as finance minister. Uh, the talk, the rumours at the time of the reshuffle were that uh, Malusi Gigaba got that job because the ANC told Zuma in no uncertain terms that they would not accept Malusi, uh, Brian Molefe being appointed as finance minister. So Molefe not appearing in the new cabinet, and now he's resigned, reportedly resigned as uh, an MP, and his last official day as an MP will be the Sunday. So I guess in effect today, Friday, uh, and that he'll start back at ESCOM on Monday as CEO, um, with, despite the fact that he's, he has not cleared the cloud of stench of, of corruption hanging over his head. Um, the board has seen fit to reappoint him in, on the on the on the uh, under the uh, using the excuse that uh, the Minister of Public Enterprises, Lynn Brown, uh, told them that uh, the 30 million rand retirement payment uh, that they were going to be making to him. Uh, was unacceptable. The board then uh, met to discuss this and they couldn't reach an agreement with Malefe on the size of his pension payout. So they, what did they do? They reappointed him as CEO because they couldn't reach an agreement. Uh, the whole thing stinks to high heaven. Uh, the ANC itself has come out with a statement this morning condemning this in no uncertain terms. Um, not the Zuma faction of the ANC, but the, uh, the other faction of the mm. ANC. Um, and... Who knows where this is going to end up? Uh, this, this is and so are the days of our lives, Duncan. <laughs> this is truly the soapy that we were sp- speaking about earlier. Yeah. SABC should just uh, film all of this, turn this into uh, reality TV, and I think they'll be good. Eh? <laughs> but it is—it's actually laughable um, to think that not only wasting this this amount of money, um, talking about thirty million rand payouts. Um, yeah, and it's taxpayers' money at the end of the day. Taxpayers' money, yeah. But also just, I mean, where is the leadership, again, in direction? I mean, if this was a privately owned entity, a company that was out to make money mm. and really, you know, look after its shareholders, mm. 
the entire board, you know, th- this company would not have been able to get this far. No. You know. This wouldn't have, stuff wouldn't have happened in no, the private sector. Uh, anyway. Um, let's, let's, can we end on a happy note on this Friday, please? We can. <laughs> we can. It depends on you, Rechot. What's your pick? <laughs> um, okay, so I've been playing with, the, I'm, I'm a sucker for really good photography apps and really uh, apps that I can do cool stuff on my phone with when it comes to imaging and video. Um, my, the latest acquisition in my arsenal of apps um, is an app called Enlight. It's available for iTunes, um, and it's about 60 rand on the, on the, the mobile store, on the iTunes store. But what I like about this, I mean, you get, you've played with a million photo editing apps, and they, mm-hmm. they all do roughly the same thing. But what I like about this one in particular is it's, it's got a, not only a vast set of functionalities, you can do all this stuff from changing colors to um, 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 really tweaking your photograph, putting text over, putting anything over you want. Um, but it's got a lot of subtleties in it, too, that allows you to, to really tweak your photographs a lot more than what you can with, with any other uh, app. I mean, one of the examples is it's got this really cool feature where you can kind of superimpose two images over each other to create this really funky, um, wispy kind of illusion. Now, the reason why I like all of this stuff is because I often post to social media for various companies um, and for my own little projects. Um, so I want to take a photograph, edit it, and then push it out without having to touch my computer. Now, I've played with a lot of apps that can do a lot of cool things. Adobe still has some of the strongest apps, in my opinion. But I really liked this. It, it really made the photography side a little bit more interesting. And it just, it, even though it has all the same features, it feels different. It feels like the, the, the color grades that you can tweak, um, and the way that you can cut out certain parts of your image. It, it all seems fresher than, than any other app that I've played with. Um, so if you're into photography and really want to, uh, you know, expose your photographs to, to another application, uh, I would recommend Enlight. Well, with iOS only. iOS only, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you other guys. (laughs) Is there any other platform? No. (laughs) (laughs) You really have been drinking the Kool Aid, (laughs) Russell. We'll have to get you an Android phone. (laughs) Wean you off it slowly. Yeah. Um, My pick this week is. But from left field, I suppose. Um, I'm picking Opera, the web browser for desktop. The 1970s called they want their pick back. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you used it lately? <laughs> no, I haven't. Go ahead Not and install it. It's, it's really, good. really, really looking good. Yeah, I also haven't used it for a while, and a mate of mine said he started using it again. So I figured, uh, let me try it out. And it's really good. With version, I think it's 45. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really slick. It's got a, a beautiful user interface, much nicer, I think, than Chrome. Um, uh, or any of the other browsers out there at the moment for that for that matter. But version 45 brings uh, this beautiful sidebar with instant messaging integration. So Ooh. you can in- integrate your WhatsApp, your Telegram, uh, your Facebook Messenger into the side panel. In fact, uh, you can add any, just about anything into the side panel because uh, you can have third parties develop apps for it, um, nice. um, little panel apps. Uh, and uh, so you can add things like Pocket, for example. Um, there are various other ones. And um, they've done a really good job. It's a good-looking browser now. It uh, it uh, renders websites very rapidly. It's got a, a built-in uh, ad blocker. Uh, please switch it off if you go to Tech Central. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's 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 really cool tech. I think uh, Opera has come a l- certainly come a long way since I last used it. What I like as well is that um, with a with with a, a little plugin you can download from. Uh, uh, I think it's on the Opera website. You uh, you can run uh, any just about any um, Google Chrome plugin as well. Oh, that's uh, nice. So um, it uh, you can you can really 
continue using it as if you're a Chrome user and you've become addicted to all those those extensions in Chrome, you can just bring them across to Opera. Yeah, I was going to say that's going to be my only uh, only hesitation with moving over to another browser is mm. to lose all of those uh, Chrome functionalities. But this looks great. Yeah, no, give it a bash. I'm I'm going to I'm been using it as my primary browser on my desktop for uh, for a couple of days now, and um, so far so good. It, 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 I see they offer free VPN as well, which is they do they do. Cool, I haven't I tried that cool. yet because I've got I, use, I pay for a VPN service already. Sure, sure. Uh, so I haven't tried that, but um, you know, when it comes time for renewal, maybe I'll consider using it. I, I presume the VPN only works inside the Opera browser, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, but I mean that's still good enough if you want to do uh, streaming services or yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Hide your browsing profile. <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't tried it uh, yet. Uh, but um, it uh, it looks pretty good. By the way, I picked up something interesting. I can't remember if I rem- mentioned it in the last podcast, Rechot. Um, uh, WebRTC network limiter for Chrome. Do you know about that? Uh, no. Oh, so no. so if you're using a VPN to hide your mask your identity, um, say you're uh, downloading some dodgy Creative Commons content, or you uh, mm, you yeah. don't want the NSA seeing what you're up to. Yeah, yeah. Um, for those PDF files you download. Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, apparently, you can still. There's still a way of uh, determining what your um, IP address is uh, because of the WebRTC technology that's built into Chrome and which is used by things like Google Hangouts. Uh, apparently, that leaks your IP address. Oh. So what you need to do is install a plugin from the Chrome store. So here's a second pick, I guess, from me this week called mm-hmm. WebRTC Network Limiter, and that stops that from happening. Uh, so... Um, I'm not sure how Netflix knows when you're using a, a VPN. Uh, uh, maybe they just have a list of IPs that are associated with it. But this could be right. how they blocked it. I mean, remember we had that issue it could where they be. blocked it. Uh, it would be interesting to know, actually, because I haven't tried it, because you use the newest version mm. of Netflix. I'll definitely you? try this out. Try, try installing the Web, WebRTC Network Limited plugin in Chrome and see if you, that then allows you to access Netflix in the U.S. I'd be keen to know. Mm, mm. I'd be keen to know. In fact, let's try it out straight after this podcast. Okay, we'll report then. back next week. And that is our show for this week. Uh, as always, if you have any feedback, uh, please email us. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to hear myself. Um, we need to do our uh, quiz, quiz results. Yeah, um, I remembered the quiz at the start, but I must have forgotten <laughs> it. <at the> <laughs> let, uh, let me kick off with the first question. Former MTN South Africa CEO Ahmad Farouk has joined which pan-African telecommunications company? And the answer is Smile. Sorry, I just completely lost mine. Well, let me jump into the second one while you uh, bring up the show notes. Vodacom this week said it has lost, sorry, has gone live with its first Internet of Things site. What 3G PP-backed IoT technology is it deploying and who is doing the deployment for it? And uh, the answer is narrowband IoT and the company is Huawei. Huawei. The third question, now that I find my show notes, Adapt IT this week announced the acquisition of which technology supplier to the hospitality industry? And the answer, I'm sure you've seen this label before, Micros. Micros, not to be confused with Microsoft. <laughs> and our fourth question, Telcom subsidiary BCX will pump 60 million Rand into which programming skills development hub? And that's We Think Code. Yeah, that was also really great news. news yeah. mm. And the last question, Apple surpassed a market capitalization milestone this week. What was it? And the answer there, it's a market value that exceeded 800 billion US dollars for the first time. If you want to convert that into rand, it's about 11 trillion rand. Nice. You can, you can buy a few things with that. I think that. that's about twice our GDP. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of the size of Apple, how many iPhones they sell. And that's it. Uh, as always, if you've got any feedback, our email address is info at techcentral.co.com. 
www.zedeh.org.za. And uh, from Rechadam myself, until next time, cheers. Ciao, ciao.